This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome board folks. Happy New Year to you guys. I know this is coming out after the New Year. I'm recording it actually before the New Year. But tonight we've got a terrific guest. I'm telling you guys, we've been doing this. I, you have to forgive me. I say this so often, but I'm so pleased with the people I get a chance to spend my hours with because they're just so helpful, so interesting, and so they're up on the edge with all of us. Everybody that's listening to this program is on the edge. We're really trying to figure out how we can make our lives better, the lives better, the people that we care for. It's a new year. And Angie Mahoney is going to be here with us tonight. She's going to be talking about a whole lot of stuff that people don't really recognize the opportunity that's there for individuals who are suffering with developmental delays. It can be ASD, Asperger's, whatever you want to call it. And Angie has a way to actually bring them along, get this, fasten your seatbelt so they can live productive lives. Did I shout it? I mean, that is the deal. I mean... Why not get excited about it? Angie, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Chuck. It's going to be fun. So what I'm going to do is do a little intro with Angie, and then we're going to find out. We're going to start from the beginning and find out where she's going. It's going to be an interesting time for us. So let me just go ahead and do the intro. Angie Mahoney is a master's of education. She's currently a special education case manager at Roger Pack Elementary School. Pardon me, it's middle school in Danbury, Connecticut. Angie has worked with students of all ages in a variety of settings for the past, get this, 13 years, folks, I'm telling you, I'm looking at Angie on Zoom, and she doesn't look like she's been doing this for 13 years, I'm telling you. Her career includes a tenure at a, a private school where she worked with over 75 middle school and high school age students on a weekly basis running, get this, an inclusion-based elementary program for students with autism, ASD, as well as co-teaching core academic classes as part of a team comprised of fellow middle school educators. But she had some changes, my friends. She did that for a while, and the light bulb went on, and she's going to be telling us about it. I'm not going to read the rest of it because what happened is something you want to listen to. She started with this one little idea where she was going, and she's had one light bulb go on after another. And where, what you're going to hear about tonight is how she has developed programs, more than one. She's got a whole system for how do you take a person with certain lesser social skills, lesser, they may be strong intellectually and smart, but they don't have a grasp on how to actually make the application in daily life. And she's going to be talking about this. So let's go ahead and get started. I know, let's start from when you began teaching in 2001. That's not long ago. That's just yesterday. <laughs> exactly. You know, I uh, had just gotten out of college. I'd gone to Lesley University right in the area of Boston and was sort of applying. And I had received something that was like, oh, we, you know, you're hired. And I was like, awesome. What am, you know, what am I doing? What classroom? And they're like, oh, it's, it's work skills. And I was like, oh, okay, right? Like pause. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, and I get into the classroom and it's literally a large classroom filled with rubber bands that are different colors and paper clips. And I remember thinking, I don't understand, you know, like 
how is this work skills? How is this vocation? How are 75 kids coming in every week to learn? And they were like, "Mm, good luck, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was my first teaching experience with realizing the expectation was high, but the challenge was great because I was going to have to create these practice opportunities for work. And what did that mean? You know, what did that look like? It sounds like you were in shell shock because you're obviously a bright person and you went into a thing that's going to be sort of like, here's how you work a shovel if you're going to shovel concrete. And you're like, oh my gosh, I got all these skills of ways Mm -hmm. of thinking and layers of thought. Mm -hmm. Down with rubber bands and paper clips. What a shock. What a Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, quickly, I get to know the students that year and I realize, you know, I'm looking at where they're going off campus to work, to practice, you know, volunteer opportunities. And that's where I started to see hotels and restaurants and they were going to offices and different places. And that's where the modules of focus came in from the program for I Can Work to really look at, okay, let's look at food service. Let's look at grocery retail, clerical. Let's start there for our foundation of our focus. So you start breaking it down in sort of macro areas. And I just love, you know, because uh, folks, I have to, I confess, I'm leading her down the road a little bit because I read her bio here and what she did. But I think it's really interesting that you started with the macro. (laughs) And then what you did is you pulled out the magnifying glass and you started looking at these different things. It sounds, Angie, like you were in shell shock when you were actually started thinking about, oh my gosh, this whole thing is really, I'm going to say it, you probably wouldn't say it because you're politically correct. This whole thing is a mess. Yeah, it was, it was a sinking ship, friend, I have to tell you. And I was put at the helm, you know, and I didn't, I was new to the environment. So, and teaching as a whole, but, you know, again, in our times of uncomfortability, and I say this a lot, you do learn, right? You know, it's part of our journey. And so that really challenged me to see the individuals in the light that was like, what would they need before being stressed out? Before going to that work environment where they're getting stressed out, what can I teach them that will help them? Mm -hmm. And from that is where the focus came, you know, for the foundation to teach them and guide them in to help them then down the journey to more employment. So how did you break it down? It sounds like if that was the kind of macro mission, mm-hmm. I'm sure you had some general issues and right. then you had to protocol the specifics of each one mm-hmm. because developmentally delayed individuals would not appreciate what would ordinarily be expected. So you had to figure out where they actually were right, and what right. they could do Right. And then you had to really understand what the levels of different complexities would be with the different jobs and figure out how you sure. can put that package together. I mean, that's what it mm-hmm. sounds like. Exactly. You know, you're breaking down the steps required to be successful, you know, but ultimately part of the journey is exposure, a lot of variety, right? You know, trying a variety of things to see over time with reflection, what did you like and what was a challenge, right? Because those are the things you want to keep track of to then say, all right, we tried a variety of hands-on things in retail. Now let's go into a store and see if we can generalize those skills. But taking the time to really reflect on the tasks at hand and helping those individuals have a voice in the journey of vocation is what has really led to more success. Yeah, I want to say it again. You said it, but I think it's interesting that what you did is you began to ask them questions. Big one. Now, you didn't say it quite that explicitly, but that is a very, very cool thing because. <laughs> 
I think that is not commonly done. It's sort of like, okay, here's what I think the problem is. This is what I think we should do about it. Right. But if you're asking individuals with certain levels of incapacity to reflect on what works for them, what they need, how that could have been better, and you're starting an, a dialogue with people who oftentimes are dismissed because they can't have a dialogue. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. That's certainly not my opinion. It's obviously not yours, but then you learned from that experience and can yes. take that to the bank. Yes, exactly. So let's so, give us an example of how mm-hmm. something like that might happen. So people who, who are suffering with some of these issues could begin to conceptualize how you approach that problem. So the problem of you know frustration. So let's say an individual keeps coming into a work environment looking down, going right to work, you know, doesn't say hello or good morning. You know, we really, it's a simple example, but that impacts his relationship, right? Because we're more inclined to assist individuals that are social and kind of outgoing. It's like, oh, I'll help you. But if someone's coming in reclusive, you're, you're set up to not be as welcome, right? So a big part of the curriculum is to focus on the skills of communicating with coworkers, you know, interviewing skills, yes, but those everyday situations, you know, you're helping through role playing and practicing and also the tough conversations in a safe environment like a school or in, you know, an environment that's more one-on-one to teach those and practice those skills and help when you are in those situations, individuals have that base there. So Mm -hmm. One example is greeting coworkers and those pieces and how we work on it. Another one is trying skills hands-on. You know, when things are frustrating, such as collating and, you know, stapling and things, maybe in the clerical department, all right, we tried a little bit. I don't want to exhaust it, but let's now revisit it again. Even in two months or in a year, don't give up on trying something that at one time was tricky, right? Mm-hmm. It's over time when they're 12 years old. If you start then, by the time they're 16, the individuals have tried over time a variety of those things and really solidified areas of strength and weakness. Well, you know, you and I haven't talked about this, but I'm empathetically identifying with those individuals and can imagine, I haven't really thought about this for before to tell you the truth, but I think one of the things that you probably do, and I'd like you to elaborate on a little bit if it's true, is those individuals actually asking for help. Mm, because, right. you know, they... If they ask for help, first of all, the point that you raised is absolutely germane. You've got to have a working relationship. So you say, hi, Tom, hi, Sam, whatever. Do the handshake, look them in the eye. And then you do that. Then the next thing is, I don't get this. Right. How does this work? Right. How can I do this better? Exactly. Actually asking the question. Mm -hmm. That puts them in a vulnerable role. It's funny how human beings take a person who's disadvantaged in that respect and and developmentally delayed and not connected, how they they are actually put off and intimidated by that individual and don't yeah. know what to do because there's no conversation, there's no eye contact. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the average individual think they're just rejecting me. They'll take it personally. They have no idea yeah. what's going on. Yes. Take it personally. But as soon as you say, hey, how are you doing? And could you help me? It just changes the entire picture, I would think. Exactly. Exactly. It's just received differently, right? And when received well, the environment becomes lighter and more positive. And you're hoping again that that then gets received to be more a productive place, you know, where they're feeling confident and comfortable. Well, in that first school, what would you say? And I'm, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you, you know, just uh, you know, free associate on this one, if you will. But the issue is, I'm looking and listening to you as a person in a state of development yourself. I mean, you're mm-hmm. kind of like they are. 
You're in a new job. Hmm. You're a fresh woman out of school. You don't know where things go. And you not only that, you don't even have any idea who these people are because you weren't trained to do this job that you walked into. You didn't have a specific wow. training. So you're it's in a way so true. just like them. Yes. Wow. So then the issue is, and I'm asking you this, obviously you're not developmentally disadvantaged, but on the other hand, you're in the same soup. Yes. So the that feeling. Is, in terms of being helpful to others, what do you think was the major thing that you learned going into that experience with those individuals that was transformational for you as a human being? What was it that you said, darn, this is the thing for me. This is a big deal for me. Do you have any, and I'm, I'm sorry to put you on the spot a little bit. You probably haven't thought about it before, but what do you think? Nope. I know there are moments I have to tell you, like I definitely work with some medically fragile individuals. And when I had presented in my first year or two of really trying to follow this model of pre-vocational planning, and I had given him a clear, um, a coworker employee of the month award, he won it. And it used to be a time that we would review the skills that were strong and how people clocked in and clocked out. You know, I used my mm -hmm teacher voice and everything. And when he was the winner and we all clapped, the look on his face of pride was, it's forever with me. He's now like 30 years old. You know what I mean? And yeah. what have you, but yeah. I can see it. And it was pretty powerful when I realized how good he felt to be proud of work. So that was the start. And then the, over time with social media, I've been lucky where people have emailed me, former students to say, you know, they'll see something I put on my Facebook page and they're like, I remember that, you know, we did that. We talked, we practiced. And because of that, I did challenge myself. I did try jobs and I'm doing well. Right. So oh, isn't that great? That's here. Yeah. That, you know, the so little thing Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> I mean, congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So then how did it happen? Because I know a little bit about that next step. I mean, that's kind of a basic foundational learning thing mm -hmm. that you had there where you really recognized that if you had the courage to go in and create a structure that mm -hmm. was an affirming structure for these kids, yes, that you would begin to see some motion. So that's like a general lesson for you as a human being. I can affirm these kids. Now, you're a naturally nice person anyway, so it comes naturally for you. But I think the thing that I'm getting from what you're talking about is you put a structure on it mm -hmm. that made it not so basic personal, but that it had an application in their lives in a larger sense if they practiced in that structure. It's, that's what it sounds like. Exactly, Chuck. Exactly. Start in a safe environment where you can teach those skills and repeatedly, right? Over time, really, you're hoping it's not just one year of let's talk soft skills, hard work skills, life skills, right? You want it to be built over time, especially if there's a developmental delay, the repetition will only help, right? You know, it's already, again, I remember 16, my first job, the anxiety, the time management, what to wear, hygiene, right? Those are for anybody, but then you add a challenge with processing those situations. You want to really start younger, right? Mm -hmm. With those pieces. And that was it. It was just having a framework for that because so many people had ideas, but we really weren't following a, a direct path. You know, we needed a map. <laughs> now there's an affirmative thing, but another, while you're saying that I'm again, empathizing, thinking myself about the situation. I think a challenge for individuals who have some developmental delays because they do have such profound self-esteem issues, yes. which is the reason that the person was so pleased to just even have a, a moment of an accolade. 
Yeah. How do you work with individuals when they hit the limitations of their skill set? How do you actually help them say no? I mean, that's that's not on my skill set tool. I mean, that's not a tool I can do. I mean, I would think that that if because there's a certain courage that comes up. I mean, everybody, all of us want to be able to do everything, but we all know we just can't do everything. And I, I know, know as, a, as a professional, I just, I say, look, people ask me some arcane question about whatever with the mind. I'm like, hey, that's not my skill set. I don't have that. I can tell you where to go, but. Well, and I, so you, you almost answered it in a way. Maybe it's teaching that individual a go-to phrase that's kind of like, whoa, slow your roll, right? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in a joking way or in a serious way. And then they guide you either to these are my skills and my strengths, or, you know, maybe so-and-so can help you. I think it's a matter of talking it out at times, like you were saying, having the conversation, allowing them to have a voice and problem solving those things. So sometimes it's part of that village. It's the teacher encouraging the conversation. It's home encouraging it. It's other places if we can, you know, it's exposure, really encouraging volunteerism, or even when in the community, look at all the jobs we see, you know, and what do they really entail? Having Mm -hmm. those tough talks. A lot of jobs require a lot of things, right? It isn't easy. So understanding that so that the individual can have a plan that isn't, you know, either so left field that it's defeating, but it's also encouraging, but you're finding something maybe that is more their level, but still meets that spark. The spark of interest. Hey, this is something Mm -hmm. I can do, something I can try, and I'll give it a shot. You know, so much of us need, all we need is a little boost to give it a shot. So you think? So tell us how you then made that transition to the next school because that first school was mm-hmm. the light bulbs were going on pretty yep. there, but then you went into an entirely different environment. Tell us about that one, please. Right. So I had always felt like even the concept of middle school vocational planning was people were like, "Whoa, that's kind of young," and I'm like. I'm, you know, it's really not, you know what I mean? And then I go into an elementary setting with more um, students on the spectrum. So they're a little more nonverbal and behavioral than the students I had serviced prior. How young are these students that you're talking about, Angie? They're third, fourth, and fifth grade. So I want to say that. Yeah. Yep. So they were in, they were, you're right. And I realized quickly though, that they were kids that were seeking again, as anybody really confidence to be pride, you know, to have pride and structure. So although they weren't working at TJ Maxx at 10, they were working on, you know, task boxes and vocational tasks that we were tracking to see, oh, if they like the task box where they're buttoning shirts or they're hanging shirts, maybe in middle school, they can try retail, right? So trying to take the time to just help them experience variety and also practice some of those pre-vocational concepts, Mm -hmm. it really just built up their skills so much and the success we saw in the middle school and high school later, 10 years later, 15, just showed it did help prepare them. Okay. So tell us a little more about this pre-vocational concept because mm-hmm. you live in there, that's your language. It's sort that's of like, true. you know, I'm living in France and you're talking to me in German a little bit. Okay. So tell us a little bit about what you did because it's tough for me, even as a child professional to think about approaching that problem and what pre-vocational would be. And I think that, that would be helpful for our audience as well, if you don't mind. 
No, not at all. It's really, for me, looking at a mixture of things that you're going to be doing with your hands, so sort of those hard skills, right? Anything that you're manipulating or doing physically and balancing it also with soft skills that you need, which are things like interpersonal skills, you know, communication and things. So pre-vocational planning means before we're really ready for work, where you're really getting paid for the jobs you're doing, we're going to plan before that. And that requires some levels, you know, of when you introduce what. So I like to focus on areas of job readiness, which is where you work on interviewing one-on-one, role-playing, the vocabulary around that, what's a supervisor, what's a coworker, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, basic. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And again, it's for everyone. It isn't even, you know, I know we speak to even disabled individuals, but recently it's just helping even high schoolers take a minute to try a variety of things. You know what I mean? Even if we do it all in one month and then ask what worked and what didn't, or what did you like and what drove you nuts? You know what I mean? And then going from there. So it's, again, that universal language, you know, of just, again, having those skills that help you communicate and ask for help if you need it, you know, or pause to say, whoa, you're a little out of my wheelhouse, but these are my strengths. That's pre-vocational planning. That's interesting. So what did you do then in that Mm -hmm. context? Because you were, you entered a different reality. I like this whole thing, you know, we were talking a little bit offline before we got started, but you know, that's why I like this whole journey concept, because if you really think about travel, so much at Core Brain Journal, we're talking about traveling, whether you're sailing, walking, taking a path, you're going some other place into a different reality. And Mm -hmm. in those different realities, we either grow, I was going to take exception a moment ago when you said, this is what happens. I mean, no, some people just quit and give up. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you said something about, hey, you naturally, you're going to be thinking about what to do when you go in. <laughs> and, and some enough. people are like, I'm over it. This is way over my head. I can't stand it. I mean, one of the words I hear so often in my practice is overwhelmed. I'm just overwhelmed. Yes. I can't do it. Because what you're talking about is how to underwhelm Mm -hmm. reverse that process, you know, work it backwards. But anyway, so the issue would be, what was that reality that you began to conceptualize that was different in what kind of constructive ways you could approach those kids that, how were they parallel? How were they different? What what was the lesson in that crowd? The lesson has been working with nonverbal individuals and non-readers, believe it or not. I think many things over the years have been accessible to readers, you know, disabled readers. Things are in text, things are easy to access. But through this and through helping people have a voice, I've created a different level with everything picture supported to allow the same lesson to be presented to two levels or three even individuals and everybody can participate in practicing for those pieces. Let's tease that apart. I think this is a really, folks, listen up on this because this is a very, very important point. She kind of said it offhand, but to me, this is elemental, this entire conversation. I don't know that anybody else is really approaching these problems the way Angie is in this situation. So let's break this down a little bit, what you just said. It is a big piece, I know. So this is the component that is really showing how do we engage all learners, those that are readers, non-readers, and also verbal and non-verbal. So a component to that is having everything in the program with I Can Work that I've created for that vocational foundation has two levels where we have picture-supported everything. Picture-supported is the deal. It is. 
It is. So and they can I look at the picture and they get it and they, they get it in their head what's going on. Now is it exactly a right. picture of somebody doing something? Yes. And then there's a word there are words that are talking about give the dog a bone. But you've got Yeah, like I'm proud of my work today and it shows someone proud. I didn't like my work today, it was challenging. You know, those are examples of reflection statements and they all have a visual paired to help any individual know and understand and express right in that moment on the task that is completed. That is so interesting because what you just said is, I hadn't really thought about that before either, but you're actually bringing to recognition a, a kind of, if you will, self-actualization, self-exploration, self-awareness really. Exactly. Of how I feel. Here's something that I'm thinking about in some other constructive way, as opposed to here's, I was doing something on a very basic, elemental, too simple level, give the dog a bone. You're saying, listen, we can actually, through the pictures, help people become self-reflective. Exactly. You had asked, you know, we had spoken to this in the beginning, it's self-advocacy, right? How do we instruct this and encourage this concept of confidence and self-advocacy? And part of it is even opening the idea of it, right? And allowing them to feel it and recognize, oh, I don't always have to feel happy or sad, right? It can be varied or there are different ways. And individuals with ASD will get a little routine at times. You know, I find there is some structure sought. So I even took it to this next level of instead of just the visuals in one row, now everything can be manipulated so that you can give fields of two or three or mix it up so that hopefully the reflection becomes more spontaneous. Well, I think we just got to say real quickly that ASD is autism spectrum disorder. We're talking, the issue here, some people don't know this because we've been talking about developmental delay. That's easy enough. That's true. But the, uh, I just want to make sure that we talked about ASD because you and I might be talking about stuff that we know about, but other people might be missing it. So yeah, but I, I think that's okay. totally interesting. I think that's so exciting because you know, it's really a way to really come into themselves. I mean, I see so many people, it doesn't matter if they're at a different level of challenge like uh, attention deficit disorder, attention. Most people with what I call attention abundance disorder, which <laughs> is the way we should be thinking about most of attention deficit, instead of calling people deficit, they have too much on their mind and can't organize it. That is the elemental problem. And, Agreed. you know, that, that is the elemental problem. The idea of calling everybody deficit is actually, in a way, completely compromise the entire process of intervening because you have to pathologize the situation in some counterproductive way to then be a healer instead of saying, look, it's an organizational problem. You're actually thinking too much. You know, you're bright. I mean, if you were stupid, you'd be in better shape. And but see, it's similar to what I'm trying to help others do. What you just said, like most individuals are seeking employment later in life. So now employers or job coaches are having to really backtrack and create. They've got to understand now, what are the struggles? Where is this coming from? You know what I mean? Like you can kind of work backwards in a way if we don't work on the foundation a little bit sooner. Because I agree, the stigmatism's there, right? Like we have these ideas and we have these preconceived words that we use and it doesn't have to be that way. Well, that's really terrific. I mean, I like that. So let's, I'm just look at our time here and we're zooming along here. It's so much fun talking to you. And let's bring this delightful conversation to a little more of a conclusion. I'm getting these signs coming up on Zoom. They're actually <laughs> flashing 
Hey, Parker, shut up. I love it. <laughs> I know. We did kind of touch on quite a bit, didn't we? So that's okay. It's, it's not you. It's, I'm just saying that we do have to wind up. So let's talk a little bit about that next situation. You had a third situation, did you not? Am I remembering that correctly? Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Into more of, Now I'm into a middle school environment where basically the district has said we have a group of individuals, you know, that really just need to start the vocational foundation sooner or a program that's more modeled. Can you create it paired with life skills? So I helped develop a program there where we were able to really create stations around the modules in the I Can Work program so that there's a whole office station, there's a whole bedroom, a whole retail, laundry, you know, and they really practice those skills there. And it's just showing the need and the benefit. Sounds like a great place for video training. It does. I you like that. That's a drift? Yes. I just hint. I like that. <laughs> I like it a lot. All right. So listen, we got to wind up. And this is so cool. I mean, it's so much fun talking to you because I think the kind of things that you're doing, there may be other people doing it. I, I'm not into that field. That's not a skill set for me. But I think it's something that we all need to pay much more attention to. And we really need to think about how to actually apply it and use it effectively in so many environments. I know right here in the city of Virginia Beach, we could use it. I'm sure it's true around the country. People need an individual like you to say, hey, here's a system. Take this system, A, B, C. It's not complicated. It's complicated if you don't use the system. If you do use the system, everybody gets it. If you don't use the system, everybody remains lost for long periods of time. So how can people then, in closing, get in contact with you then, Angie? So you can visit the website, icanwork.therapro.com and definitely follow updates. I'm definitely working on developing things that'll help people have accessibility to workbooks and reflection and videos. You know, I love the idea of video modeling and the strength that it has. So check out the website for sure. So folks, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to have all this stuff on the show notes. And the other thing Angie's going to do, she's going to provide us a PDF, which is a I Can Work PDF and has a free curriculum in there to just sort of get some ideas about how to begin the application process. Angie and I were talking before we started recording about some other things that she has in the works. So you want to go to HTTP, ICanWork.com. And the next word is Therapro, T-H-E-R-A-P-R-O.com. Get over there and sign up. Then we're going to give her Facebook link. Her LinkedIn work site is going to be there as well. And Angie, we're going to have all that stuff sitting right there on your show notes. It'll probably come out on us. I can't remember when it is. Tiffany can tell you, but I think it's going to be in February, something like that. But listen, I can't tell you how much fun this has been talking to you. I know. We'll do everything we can to help you go, go along the way. Something comes up and you say, hey, Parker, I mean, this is another thing that's happened. Your audience may be interested. Just give us a call. We'll get you okay. on see what we do. And, okay. Uh, you know, we're you're making a big contribution. We want to help you any way we can. Means so much. I really did enjoy. I'm bummed it went so quickly. <laughs> it went by so quickly. I know. I mean, like, did we yeah, talk? My voice we talk quiet. Quiet. I can't believe it. It's wild. <laughs> like no one broke into the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. My two boys. Who knows what's happened? No, this yeah, is so good. It's Thank great. You. I'm excited. I'm gonna follow through on a bunch of oh, things. Oh, that's fun. I appreciate it. We'll do it again sometime. You have a okay. good day, Angie. You too. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much. Thanks for listening to Core Brain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. 
Here we share the complexity of mind science because as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications like those written for ADHD are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.